Scanning. Identity authorized. Welcome to the Secret Superhero Club Podcast Network. Welcome everybody to the Animation Station Podcast, episode 180. My name is Josh, and today I am joined by the extremely wonderful and talented Patria Burchard. How are you doing today? I'm fine, Josh. How are you? I am doing great. <laughs> oh man. So uh, yeah, we talked a li- we, we talked a little bit about uh, a mm-hmm. little bit before, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm having a great day. Are you having a great day? Pretty good day so far. Nice. Yeah, and it's still early enough to have more good. Exactly. So yeah, I'm going to a uh, a Kickstarter launch party for a uh, a series uh, at. Oh, probably in a few hours. So oh. yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So that'll be that'll be pretty fun. You're gonna get your picture taken like at a premiere? Um, not quite. It's gonna oh. it's it's a little <laughs> bit uh, before we do the premiere stuff. This is just like a, like a like they're launching a Kickstarter. Um, so it's my friend Sam, and it's her uh, her her little baby that she's creating. Fabulous. Um, uh, it's got some voice talent. It's got uh, Adam MacArthur from Star vs. the Forces of Evil. Laura Bailey's in it. Rob Paulson. So oh, it's, cool. it's got, she's got a really lot of good heavy yeah. hitters in there. So, Well, I wish her the best with it. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, she, she'll, she'll be fine. She'll, she'll get it backed and covered. No problem. Um, but so, uh, Patria, so... Um, if you wouldn't mind, uh, could you tell if, if uh, you know, just for whatever reason, if our audience may not know a little <laughs> bit about you, I don't know why they would listen to a podcast with you if they don't know who you are. You know, they may just wonder what. Be like, hmm, <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce this first name. Let's find out. <laughs> so uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, um, I think the reason that I'm here on this podcast, because it's Animation Station, would be the one, one animation work. I've done little bits here and there, but the one really big one I did was an anime where I played Ryoko in Tenchi Muyo. Mm -hmm. And that's my claim to fame in the animation business. Um, But... Not a bad thing to fame, though. I mean, like, <laughs> if, you've, if you've only done one, and you're like, yeah, people, people still know me from that. <laughs> I mean, that's I, you know, bad. they still do, and people are so kind and so lovely to me. I have, I have made friends. I mean, you know, some people are are fans, and they send you a note and say they like your work, and that's really great. And then there's some people who, um, who have stuck with me over the years and become my friends. People that that uh, started getting in touch with me back in the nineties, oh that God. I know that kind of grew up with me, although I was already an adult at that time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the anime fans I have to say are really pretty amazing, very loyal and very kind. Not just to the people that whose work they admire, but seemingly, as far as I can tell, to each other. Quite a group. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now you do uh, you're you're doing some audiobooks, correct? Now I'm doing audiobooks. Yeah. In, in the meantime, I was always an actor. I've been an actor pretty much all my life, and I also did voiceover. But I did you know theater and some film, some TV, a lot of stage, and that's kind of me. Yeah. Or. So, yeah. so you said uh, you, you've always uh, you've always been acting. So is that is mm-hmm. that something that you knew that you wanted to be when you were 
uh, a wee tot. Yes, that was kind of a show off. And, uh, <laughs> I, I wrote plays for my sister and my friend and me to do, and we would do them in the basement. And, and I would I would direct, and I always got to play the lead because I was the loudest. <laughs> and That's um, you do it, though. Yeah, yeah, you know. And we had a good time, and, and uh, I made them sing, which was um, a precursor to... Why I didn't sing, I, I've never been a singer, but um, yeah, I, I guess I always wanted to do it. I didn't ever really realize that I could do it realistically. It never struck me until probably until my early teens when I realized um, that it was something that I could actually do as a career, um, that I had to take charge of that and plan it and focus on it and and get into it um, forcefully. Does that make sense? I had to. I had to make it make a decision. Yeah, that, and that makes sense. go to school and and do all that. I didn't exactly. think you of it can't, quite you can't that just, way. You know, mm -hmm. get an accounting degree and be like, you know what, acting. You know, it doesn't it doesn't work <laughs> like that. I kind <laughs> of did, but uh, <laughs> I got a, I got a rhetoric degree. I my family really really wanted me to have something to fall back on and so I thought oh yeah rhetoric you know there's a lot of jobs in rhetoric so uh, <laughs> I got an English degree in creative writing and um, then I went directly to Chicago and started auditioning so that's what I did yeah at least you know that's kind of in the same field though like kind of writing. yeah you're, you're mm -hmm. kind of in that same field yeah. Um, so, uh, did you have any favorite actors or actresses that you really looked up to growing up? You know, you had asked me earlier if what was I a fan of when I was young, and I, I don't remember so much being a fan of uh, TV, but when I saw Franco Zaffarelli's Romeo and Juliet, I was 13, and... Um, that's the year that the movie came out. It was 1968. I was 13. And I I was a fan of that. I wanted to do that. I wanted to go there. I wanted to wear those outfits. I wanted to say those words. I wanted to be a, as beautiful as Olivia Hussey. And um, I wanted to have that drama and play that drama. And so I was a fan of that kind of uh, theater and that kind of art and that kind of film and loved it. And I was also a fan of Led Zeppelin, <laughs> which not exactly the same thing, but I was definitely a rock and roll fan. So, um, but I don't, I, yeah, I watched TV with the family, but I don't remember having any particular stars that I was no a fan really, of. Like, jumped out at you? Not that I can remember. It's been a long time. <laughs> I know, and it's a hard question because it's like, what did you used to watch when you were a kid? You're like, ah, oh, geez, like I gotta sit back and think about it. Well, I, mean, I remember that we watched Bonanza. Ah, yes, the whole Bonanza. family watched Bonanza. We loved Bonanza. Oh man, we never missed it. <laughs> and and see, that's like completely different from me because like I when when I watched Bonanza, it was like on UPN. Like, like way after it had already premiered, like way. this was like in the in the early '90s, 
and it's like, <laughs> oh, that's little Joe. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, what do you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, so, like, it, cr- crazy stuff like that. Uh, yeah, that's that's really that's really interesting. Like, I mean, I, I love people that like Bonanza. Um, and, like, in, if I ever find anybody that likes MASH, I'm like, we, we're automatically connected in the heart because we like MASH. <laughs> oh, I liked MASH. It wasn't... It- it, that was different, though. It wasn't like something that I, you know, put on my calendar and made sure I met. I didn't miss. You know, how could you not like Mash? Exactly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know the the show that had that made a three year war eleven seasons. You know <laughs> exactly. <laughs> fun well, little, I hope fun I hope Mash. you saw the movie. Have you seen the movie? Yes, I've seen the yeah. movie, which is completely different. It's completely. It's, also, it's such a it's such a weird like franchise because like you have the book which is completely different from the movie which is then mm-hmm. completely different from mm-hmm. the from the show it's yeah. it's so weird and that movie that movie's great it's because it's got a, a renee abajunois in it as father mulcahy yeah. and i'm like fantastic movie already <laughs> yeah great film oh man uh, yeah um so uh so you also said that you were really big in the theater Yes, I I uh, started doing plays when I was a kid. I think my first time on stage, I was about six, and my mother wrote a play for the two of us to perform at church, and I got bit by that bug right then and there. I hear you. Um, church plays. Yeah. that was that was my <laughs> childhood was church plays. Yeah. Good old vacation and then in Bible school. school. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, well, my family was never that into church, so I didn't go to vacation Bible school, but we went relatively regularly and she wrote a play and I did it with her and I you know, it wasn't church that I enjoyed so much. It was just being on the stage and have be, having people listen to what I said yeah. and you know, all that. So I really loved that. And I, what I really what really um, got me was that not only that they listened, but that they believed the scene, you know, that believability thing. They, they bought it. Um, I think I really, I loved that. Yeah. So um, I did that in high school and college too. And that was, uh, my minor was theater, was acting. And um, when I moved to Chicago, I, uh, started working at the Second City in the office and um, auditioned for the touring company and got in. And I worked in the Second City National Touring Company for three years. Mm-hmm. So I was doing improv and traveling, and um, that was exhausting and educational and uh, a great experience. And uh, the first professional acting job on my resume. So it was pretty great. That's awesome. So, so, mm-hmm. you, so you did a lot of touring and everything. What was um, <laughs> one of your uh, favorite things that you uh, you played in? Uh, well, that touring was Second City, and that was all improvisation. So, oh. uh, yeah, um, I've never toured with a with a another show, but I've I've loved doing Shakespeare. I've done Shakespeare plays in small theaters in L.A. The ninety nine seat theater scene here uh, when I first moved here was pretty busy. I don't know if it still is. I haven't done any theater or on-camera work for about 10 years. I've been mostly doing voiceover. Um, do they still do the, um, I think it was like like Shakespeare and like Griffith Park. Do they still do? I think so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I have a friend who's involved in that company. Oh, nice. I think I'm pretty sure they still do it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. And I believe it's free. 
Yes, I believe I believe that's the big thing is it's free too. Well, and even bigger is it's good. Yeah, that's that's even better <laughs> when you can be free and good. This is a Who lot cares of stuff if it's free, free if it's, it's like, awful? Eh. Yeah, exactly. Like this show. I mean, it's free, but I mean, you know, yeah. depending on the day and depending on the guest, you know. <laughs> Uh, so uh, now uh, you you said that uh, you you like the plays and everything like that, and I know mm-hmm. you said earlier that you're not a big fan of the singing. But were you are were you or are big into musicals? Like, is that oh, something that you love? No, well, it's not that I'm not a fan of singing; it's that I'm not a singer. Okay. So yeah, I'm a fan when somebody's a great singer. I love to hear them. Just you just don't want to hear me. Uh, yeah, I'm right there. It's yeah. like, I was in choir in, you know, junior <laughs> high and high school, and then I got out of high school and I left the singing there. Like it's it's still <laughs> it's still in that choir room. <laughs> like it never left. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I was in the choir and I, I can harmonize. Um carry a tune. I don't know if you would say carry. you know, I, I can sort of hang on to it like um, i can uber it around that's basically <laughs> i mean like if it needs to get somewhere i mean it can sit in the back but i mean that's pretty much all i can do really uh, yeah that's about it. It, it you know it can go in my knapsack or something i don't know uh, so so how did you get into uh voiceover mm. well um actually the first voiceover i ever did was was lucky and i think um people who who get into any kind of performance or you know what any t- anything in life you need to sort of keep your eyes open for luck and follow it uh when it shows up and i had a lucky break a friend who was an actress who was also she had a day job and she was working for an advertising agency and they um they had to dub a voice into a spot and uh she thought that my voice was the right voice for the spot. So she brought me in and I got the job. And um, I had never done a voiceover before, but it was a national TV commercial and I dubbed it. I guess there was the other voice was not what they wanted. So um, they used my voice and um, I liked doing it. So with the money that I made, I took a voiceover class. And that was, that was the beginning for me. I just really, yeah, I found that, oh, this was something I could do that I liked doing and that I had some talent for. And so I, I decided to learn more about it, kept at it. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, I mean, this is the animation station. So, I mean, we got to talk about it. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So, so how, how exactly did that happen? Like, did you just go in for an audition or like, did you know somebody that was looking for somebody like somebody to voice this? Again, luck. Um, Matt Miller, as you may know, who Mm -hmm. played Tenshi is an old friend from Chicago. We knew each other back in the theater scene there. And, yeah, uh, and he's still a friend. And Matt was, at the time, was married to a woman who was one of the producers on the project, Jessica. And so they invited me to audition. They gave me a script and said, just make a tape. We, you know, you're going to audition for the role of Ryoko. And I think that was the only character I auditioned for. I don't remember reading for any of the other roles. But 
I didn't know anything about anime. I didn't know anything about the project. I knew nothing. In fact, really, before we started, this was 1995. Yeah, yeah like not a, like, yeah. like we, we had like a little bit of stuff here. Like, yeah, very, there just wasn't that little. much. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, there wasn't that much. And so really, I just thought, oh, sure, it's another acting job. And I loved acting and voice acting is acting. And so I auditioned and I had a really good time with the audition. I gave Matt the cassette tape and uh, he gave it to Jessica and she took it in. Oh, and okay, sorry, um, yes. a tape children is yes. what, what would happen <laughs> is you would record and in this little bitty like uh, uh, I don't even know. How would you describe tape? Oh, like, let's see. Um, it's that? about the size of an iPhone, maybe a little smaller. Yeah, but what, but what would you describe thicker, what it's like? The tape is, uh, what would you call like the, it? Well, like, have you yeah, ever... Like the film, like what, what would you call yeah, like the yeah, film? Yeah, have you ever used tape to tape something, tape maybe some two pieces of paper together? This was tape that was not sticky. It was figuratively sticky. Your voice would stick to it. How's that? That works. That works. <laughs> it's it's like it's like one of those. It's like really try to like ex like describe a VHS. What's a VHS to somebody? Oh, it's like uh, you know what? I never even knew what that was. I could never get mine to work. It was a tape, and we did you 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 would hit the record, and it would record your stuff, and then always when you were trying to record something that you wanted to watch, the electricity would go out, and then you would get home, and it'd be flashing twelve, and you'd be like, "Well, mm -hmm. I missed the thing that I wanted." Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. That was a that was a precursor to actual recording that never actually worked for me. So I took the cassette tape <laughs> to Matt. They liked it and I got the job and it was really, really fun to do and we had no idea, no idea that twenty, twenty five years later people people would still care. Mm -hmm. That you would would contact me and ask me to talk about it. Who? That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you know that I would get invited to cons. I love going to cons, and uh, it's it's just joyful. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah. So uh, so you you recorded Tinchi, and you've gone back and reprised your role as Ryoko in quite a few things, like mo and most recently too, like uh, what, like maybe a year or two ago, correct? Uh, yes, it was last, a uh, year ago, February okay. in, uh, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, yeah. I remember it came out and I was like, oh, wow. They bring in Tinchi back again. Like actually Tinchi. Cause it's that those, old chestnut. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those ones where like, I remember cause like that was like, to be fully honest, that in Digimon is what got me into anime in general uh -huh. like because i didn't care about dragon ball z and everything like that i didn't care about you know that thing but like this was one of the first times like especially in uh like animation that i had seen where you have characters and it's a there's they, there's an overarching plot which didn't really happen a lot with american mm. animation at that time and you had all these characters and it's they they were all done so well. Plus, it was it's not like uh, other anime in that time where they super Americanized it. It's still right. very Japanese. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because the scripts, the people who worked the hardest, I think, on those Tenshi Muyo episodes that we did 
in the 90s and early 2000s were the writers. Because what would happen is you would get a script and it would be translated from the Japanese into English. And then it had to be translated again because the jokes didn't work. Yeah. The Japanese jokes just did not work in English. They didn't make any sense to an American audience, for one thing. For another thing, sometimes they were just a little too racy. You know, mm-hmm. some of that stuff you just can't play on, on Cartoon Network. <laughs> and, um, and then they would have to write them again to match the mouth flaps. Because one thing we have is trying to get like the character mouth are moving and then there's words coming through the speakers. Trying to make it look like the words match the characters. And it's not always possible because... You know, those characters were originally speaking Japanese, Mm -hmm. and a lot of the times they were saying something else, you know, something close, but something. So did they give you a lot of um, freedom to kind of improv or anything during that time? No, um, you really can't for a couple of reasons. I don't know about other people's experience, but the but studio time is so expensive and those scripts for the dubbing are so carefully written so that they have exactly the number of syllables that the, that are that exist on the screen exist on the page and so you don't get to you can't improvise you have to say what the, what is written you have to say it exactly with what's on the screen you've already got your character because that's what they hired you to do so you really can't get mm-hmm. wildly creative in the uh, in the booth. Once you're in there, um, once you've been hired and they've picked you for that thing, you go in there and you do that thing. Uh, in my experience, that's there's not a lot of room for that in the booth. Not a lot of wiggle room there. Yeah, not in anime. Uh, there may be in other things. Gotcha. Yeah. I haven't done games or anything like that. There may be a lot of room there. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Guys, let's let's get some games for uh, here. <laughs> No screaming. Games. No screaming. Some people do a lot of screaming in those games and then they can't work for several days. But uh there's some uh really great stuff out there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely games where, you know, you it's just, you know, like narration and stuff like that. A lot of mm-hmm. like narration games or when somebody pops up and be like, yep, you got to go left, you know, type of those games. <laughs> those, are, those are fun games. <laughs> you don't always I have no idea. I'm probably not a good candidate. I never play them, so I might not be the best candidate for, for voicing them. But uh, oh, I'm not a gamer. I'm sorry. Ah, uh, you know, big it old happens. dork. Game dork. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, uh, so how, so you, you did the, you did the voiceover. So how did the audiobooks uh, come around? Well, um, I had been, I'd been doing some, uh, a lot of commercials, a lot of voiceover commercials in LA and um, really wanted to try something else. And I, uh, I, <laughs> You would think that I might have thought of it, thought of doing audiobooks because I was listening to them and enjoying them, and the thought never crossed my mind that this was something I could do. I, 
One uh, engineer that I worked with at Bell Sound Studios in Hollywood, which is a great studio, um, kept saying to me, you got to get a home studio. you got to get a home studio. And I really did not want to do it. I didn't want to engineer myself because I was kind of old school. I was used to having somebody else do that. I was used to going in and having an engineer and stuff like that. And I just didn't want to try that. And when you are doing audiobooks, unless you're like Vikas, who can, Vikas Adam, who I think you interviewed, who um, is one of the stars of audiobooks. I aspire to be mm-hmm. a star of audiobooks, but right now I'm not yet. He probably goes to the studio and somebody, you know, records him. But when you're oh, no, starting he's, he's out, he's got a home office. That's how we. That's how oh, we yeah? did it. That's how we did ours. Yeah, he had a, oh. He was just in his office. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of the stars do both. Um, I I know several people who do both. They have a home studio and they go into some of the larger studios. But uh, I have I have mostly worked at home and I had to learn how to engineer myself. I really didn't want to, but I finally did. I finally got the home set up and uh but I did that after a friend of mine said to me, a friend who was narrating said, "You should be doing audiobooks." And you know, if you've ever seen a cartoon where the light bulb goes on over somebody's head, it's like my light bulb went on and I just realized, "Oh, duh, because I'm a writer." I have a degree in writing. I I've published a couple of books. I love to listen to audiobooks. I am an uh, actor and a voiceover person. I mean, all of the things that I do sort of culminate in this one thing, and it made so much sense. You'd think that I would have figured it out before, but I apparently had to have my head sort of smacked before it would come to me but now I'm all in I am all in and I'm just loving it it's it's like when I first started acting I was so passionate about it it was really all I wanted to do it was all I thought about it was all I talked about and it was all I studied and it's like I've come full circle and that's what I'm doing again just really really focused on audiobooks and loving it that's awesome um, can you uh, tell us a little bit about some of the uh, the books that you've uh, recorded so far? Um, okay, I've done uh, mostly fiction. I've done two series, by both series by a Canadian author. My first series was a set of cozy mysteries called the Westwick Witches Cozy Mysteries. And these were about some sort of small town witches who live in Washington State and uh, the main character is a young woman who um, she's sort of in denial about being a witch. But everybody else, all the other women in her family are witches. And they bend things to their will. And she doesn't think that that's the right thing to do. She's trying to live like a normal person. So a lot of crazy stuff goes on. And I get to play all the characters. So it was really fun. And there are some super fun characters in those books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second series I did for for this author, her name is Colleen Cross. And uh, for Colleen, I also did um, a series called the Cat Carter. Um, oops, Siri thinks I'm talking to her. Shut up, Siri. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, no, I don't. I know we're happier. Let's just put this out of the booth. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know all about that. I, uh, I used, like, at, at my old job, uh, my boss's name was Sherry. So whenever I said, uh, like, hey, Sherry, and it would just be like, ba-ding, and it would know. Oh, no. You know, I have it in the booth with me sometimes because in case my husband needs to reach me, he'll text me, and I'll see it on the screen. Um, but I don't have the volume on. But Siri doesn't care about volume. She nah. just starts talking. Yeah. Yeah, she is so rude. But she's anyway. great, though. It's one I, of those know, that you're like, man, I hate Siri. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, but she's very useful. <laughs> I never I never call on Siri. She just calls on me. That's I'm like the Chuck Norris of that. Um, but anyway, so then I did this these uh, mysteries. This is a sort of an odd subject. I never knew this existed. These are... Um, um, Cat Carter, who's the main character in these books, is a forensic accountant. She that, chases that's... down financial criminals. And then she gets, you know, she gets in danger and everything. So there's all this excitement in the books. But forensic accounting? Who knew that's... it could be so thrilling? Yeah, that's crazy. Like, now I want to look up what a forensic accountant is. The, yeah, it's, it's a thing. And I didn't even know it. But um, they... They basically track down financial crimes, and it can be done. So kind of interesting, yeah. That's, that's and I've done a couple of, cool. um, yeah, exactly. I know. And after that, I've done a couple of memoirs. One about a tarot reader and how she came from, um, basically from her husband's suicide to trying to reach him in the afterlife to becoming intuitive and using tarot cards to help other people discover things about themselves. And this is her memoir about how she made that journey. And her name is Erin Burl. And she, this is her first book. And it's a lovely book. Uh, her, she and I had not the same experiences, but some experiences that sort of crossed each other. So it was really a, a nice experience for me to narrate her story. And the one that is coming soon is, uh, this is a, a wacky and charming book called Blossom, the Wild Ambassador of Tewksbury, <laughs> which is about mm. a, another memoir about a woman who rescued a baby deer and then got herself involved in um, legislation uh, and the she lived in New Jersey and she rescued this deer and she was she lived in hunting territory. And oh. so it caused a lot of controversy among her neighbors and um, the kind of fight that she had to protect this deer who was a wild animal. And she she couldn't just keep keep the deer in the house, you know. So it's, it's her story of this adventure she had with this deer. That that sounds really interesting. I mean, I I I had never thought. I mean, it, it's a memoir, but like that's one of those like you would never find that story. No, like somebody and, writing that. And a memoir is is so individual. I, I'm learning so much. Every book I, I've talked to narrators who narrate books. I haven't done this yet because I I've enjoyed 
narrating these books and I've felt affinity for all of the stories and all of the characters and all of the authors. But I've talked to narrators who they get in the booth and this is the job of the narrator and I I will come across this sooner or later as I get more experience. The job is to get in there and be as passionate as the author is about the subject no matter what it is. So you sometimes are going to narrate a book that is to you meaningless or dumb or even wrong, just plain wrong. And yet you have to deliver it like you believe in it 100%. And I'm really looking forward to that challenge. I've heard other narrators tell stories about how they step out of the booth and go, oh my God, I can't believe I just talked about that all day. (laughs) But um, that's, it's an acting job. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to relate to the character. Yeah, I was and gonna. Character... I, was gonna, I was gonna ask you about that. Like, yeah, do you do you try to relate to, uh, like, I, I, all of the, the the characters that you give voice to? Yes. Oh, yeah. You have to. I have to. I must relate, even to the bad guys. I have to find. I and I think any actor will tell you this. You have to find out how your character ticks, even if you're doing ten characters. You have to. Um, yeah, you have to relate. I do. Um, I do have a question uh, on the audiobook side. Like, do you read those beforehand, or are you reading it for the first time while you're recording it? Because that seems like it would be ridiculous trying to read it for the first time mm-hmm. while recording yeah. it. I do read it while, uh, beforehand. I think most narrators do. It's certainly what I've been taught to do by my coaches, partially because surprises can come up you know in chapter nine to find out that this character you've been reading for nine chapters is from texas and has a texas accent you know then you have to go back and redo nine chapters that's no good Mm -hmm. so you need to know everything ahead of time uh it's also good to know um to be prepared for words that you may not know how to pronounce or uh concepts that you may have to understand. Um, I like to know things about, for example, the stories that took place in Canada. Um, I want to get a feel for the country that they're in. One of them took place in this very mountainous area. So I found some videos online of of, uh, aerial footage over this mountainous area that just gave me an idea of where my characters were and what it was like because an avalanche happens in one of the books. It's called Greenwash, and um, I wanted to know what that country looked like. So that kind of stuff is part of my research, and uh, for me, just makes the book really come alive when I'm telling it. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, do you talk to, uh, or do you get the chance to talk with uh, the authors a lot about it, or so far I have. Okay, it isn't always the case. Uh, it depends. Um, there are different ways of working with a book. Sometimes you're working directly with the author. Sometimes you're working with the publisher uh, or what's known as the rights holder. That may or may not be the author. It depends. <coughs> some, excuse me, some, um, some publishing contracts leave, uh, leave the audiobook rights to the author and some don't. And some authors, you know, self-publish, and so they own all the rights, mm-hmm. and that's another story. So 
It depends. Oh man. So, um, what type of what type of uh, book would you um, love to uh, love to narrate? Mm. Like, like I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you free range to do whatever book that you want, even if it's already been done. So, what is uh, what is the dream book that you want to do, or series of books? Um, I love really. I love smart women who um, may be in sinister situations who get themselves out of it. So um, any story that... Uh, it, it could be a scary story. It could be a mystery. It could be a funny story. Um, there are... There I've even found, and I can't remember the name of the author, but I found some really fun vampire novels online where the main character is, uh, she's a mom, she's a vampire, she's funny, and, you know, she's always getting in, into trouble. And, uh, you know, how hard is it? you got to take the kid to school and then get home and get down to the basement and hide out. Oh, yeah. Because you... You can't be out in the sun. So, you know, those are funny. Um, I I like, my, I do love mysteries, but yeah, I like, a, I really like grown-up women. And, you know, when you read, especially in fiction, when you read a, a novel, it's not very interesting unless the main character is in just a lot of trouble. Yeah. You, that's what makes it interesting is how do they get out of it that's what makes a movie interesting it's what makes any fictional story interesting is how do they get out of it what do they do what is the action that they take to uh, correct the wrong that's going on in their world it's true of uh, Iron Man it's true of Luke Skywalker and it's true of Wonder Woman and it's also true of any protagonist if it's not true of the protagonist, that's why your book's not selling. Yeah. <laughs> For the writers out there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Oh, Patria, this has been this has been really fun. Oh, it's fun talking about it. Can we talk for another hour or two? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> I wish. We'll have you back on. We'll have you back on. Okay. We'll do like <laughs> Audible Oh, this would have been the best month to do like Audible October. Oh. oh, how fun. Maybe, yeah, maybe you should do that every October. Audible October. Well, we do Spooktober, where we usually oh. do a lot of, uh, like, animation stuff that's, like, Halloween-focused. Okay. But doing that f for so long, it's like we've run out of things. <laughs> Audible August. Start planning. Audible August. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Audible-esk. Nope, that sounds bad. Audible August sounds bad. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll definitely have you on again because that's this this was great. It's it was really really fun talking to you. Oh, good! It's fun talking to you too. You're funny. Y'all, thank you. I try. Yeah. I have a I have a writer here. Say hi, John. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Have I mean, John. you mean Josh? Yeah. <laughs> Say hi, Josh. I wish I had a writer. It'd make it a lot easier. <laughs> no, it's more fun to just be extemporaneous. It is. It is for yeah. sure. Um, so, uh, so Patria, where can everybody um, find you social media wise? 
Well, I have a website. It's patriaburchard.com. Oh, should I spell that, or will you have that written I'll, down? I'll have somewhere? it in the links. Don't worry. Okay. It'll be in the show notes. <laughs> and on Facebook, um, I'm at Patria Burchard Narrator, and I'm at Patria Burchard on Twitter, and Patria BS on Instagram. Patria, I didn't know about the Instagram, so I'm going to follow you on the Insta. Oh, okay, great. I didn't great. know about the Insta. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and yeah, we'll put all of those links and everything in the show notes. So if you want to click on those, follow her, check her out, just go there, click on those links, and you're good to go. You can find okay. me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Animation Station Podcast, Twitter at Animate Podcast. All of our episodes are available iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, anywhere that you can download a podcast, we are there. Um, all of our older episodes are going up on YouTube. Those come out one a day, so you can check those out. And we also have our website, animationstationpodcast.com. Patria, again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Josh. I had a blast. Me too, despite all of the audio issues. <laughs> I think what we, audio I think, issues? I th- oh, yeah. Uh, Josh isn't that good of an editor. Yeah, uh. it's not that good. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, Patricia, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. All right, so for the Animation Station Podcast, I'm Josh. I'm Patria. Perfect. (laughs) Bye, everybody.